Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, and welcome to the Hostile Work Environment podcast. My name is Mark Alifans. I'm here, as always, with Kate Bischoff, <laughs> recently back from a weekend trip to Europe. Uh, yep. Kate, how are you? How is your trip? What's going on? It's been about three weeks since we recorded. Oh, yeah. Uh, my trip was amazing. I got to do everything I wanted to do. I got to wander around a city where I don't speak the language. I learned what snorfeaster means, which is one of my new favorite words. Mm-hmm. It was great. And, and, I and ate. for our listeners, what, what city was it? Amsterdam. So everything was in Dutch. Um, snorfeaster is a form of motorized bike where uh, you bike a lot in Amsterdam. There's tons of bikes. And there it. So one type of motorized bike that is not, it's verboten, which is forbidden to be on certain bike paths. Um, so it was a really great time. I got to see a lot of great art. I st- stayed on a houseboat, which was really, really cool. I could see the boat moving based upon like features outside the window, but I couldn't feel it moving. So that was neat. It was, it was great. It was a great time. A lot of time in a mask. To flying to and fro. So I don't envy people who need to wear them 10 hours a day, but it was fine. Sounds awesome. So. Where, I, where I come from, a snorefeaster is a winter storm that goes up the eastern se- seaboard <laughs> that uh, that causes you to have some nasal congestion. <laughs> okay. Well, so I, I'm working with a client currently, and the client is is traveling to their spouse's home, which happens to be in Amsterdam. So when I got on a video call with her, I'm like, okay, so you got to tell me what this word snorefeaster means, because I took a picture every time I saw it, because I fell in love. So it was great. So, Mark, I've got some pretty sad stories for you. Yeah, we've got some some sad ones today. And uh-huh. since we last recorded, so since our last sub- substantive episode, we did two Ted Lasso episodes. And uh, yeah. thank you all for listening to those. And uh, we've gotten a lot of really good feedback about that. And there may be more coming on that front, um, mm-hmm. which we'll, we'll lightly tease now, but not uh, again for a little while, I suspect. Uh, but... Uh, A lot has happened. We've gotten so many stories coming to us. There's a lot going on Uh on the government regulation side of things. There's a lot of stories of bad companies doing bad things to, um, I don't know, (laughs) they may be bad people, but they're probably not bad people. Uh, And so I just want to call that out. We're not going to cover everything that's happened. No. But uh, we do have uh, a couple. uh, Kate's going to talk about a couple of the biggest of those stories. And then I'm going to talk about. Uh, another situation that I've seen coming up that I think is is interesting, and then we'll finish up with our our usual um, kind of uh, <laughs> one uh, just kind of story you may have missed uh, and a listener story. So, yes, uh, Kate, 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 start us off with a huge downer. <laughs> Don't worry, I can deliver the downer here. Okay, so I have to give a caveat to this that at my Law firm I worked at prior to starting my own law firm. I worked a bit on the NHL concussion cases. So I have a pre-positioned loathing of the NHL. 
Um, and so that that should be very clear. Even though I live in the state of hockey, um, it is this is a longstanding concern I have of the NHL. I love women's hockey because it's so fast. It's so fun to watch. No checking, no fighting. None of the things that really cause concussions. But we have to talk about the NHL here. Um, if you haven't heard, in the past about a week, we received a report of an investigation into a horrible sexual assault on the Chicago Blackhawks team involving coaches and a team member. And the 107-page report itself, it cuts to the bone of the problem that occurred at the Blackhawks. And so let's step back to May, early May of 2010. In early May of 2010, a player who I will use his name later, but he remained anonymous for 11 years between the assault and his lawsuit until last week. He outed himself last week. Okay. So, or he should say he named himself last week. Um, In May of 2010, uh, a player was working with a video coach. The video coach told him, you will never play again in the NHL or walk again if you don't pretend like you're about to enjoy this. He then- Or walk assaulted, again. Walk again. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was then sexually assault, assaults the sexually assaults the player. His name is Aldrich, who is the video coach. Now, he forced himself on it. Shortly thereafter, the player goes and tells another coach, a skills coach, Paul Vincent, and the player says that while Mr. Vincent tried to do what he could, he felt like he didn't exist. Like the the Blackhawks did nothing about it. And in fact, the Blackhawks did do nothing about it. In May and June of 2010, they are in the midst of a playoff series of which they go on to win the Stanley Cup. And so there is a meeting between coaching staff um, that occurs on like June, oh no, May 23rd. So just like a, two weeks after the assault, they, the management of the Blackhawks team has a senior meeting and the president of the team, McDonough, and the quote, the coach, Quenneville, I want to say is how you say his name. They brushed it aside, hoping that to avoid bad publicity during the Stanley Cup run, because again, they're playing the Stanley Cup at this time, point in time. June 10th comes along and the same video coach sexually assaults a 22-year-old team intern. He physically grabbed the intern during the encounter. It's That's June 10th. Now, from May 8th and 9th to June 14th, guess who was never spoken to? The, the him. Or sorry, the, no. the, the player who brought the complaint. Sorry. No, who is the people who listen to us the most? Oh, HR. Sorry. HR is never not brought told. into the loop. For five weeks, they are never told about this. It's not until the president brings it to HR's attention. Now, I want to I want to point out that there's these five weeks where nothing happens, but then HR also really fumbles the ball here because all, they approach I mean, Aldrich. Slip, they slip on the puck. Wrong sport. <laughs> okay, yes. They slip on the puck, fall on the ice, whatever. They run into the boards. I don't care. Okay? 
they give the, the video coach an ultimatum. You either are going to face an investigation or you're going to resign. He chooses resignation, but he still gets all of his playoff bonuses and the Stanley Cup ring. Okay? So essentially, besides the fact that he loses his job or he loses his job with the Blackhawks, he suffers zero consequences for it. Okay? Yep. So th- this is where, like, I could get on my soapbox for days and say, when you have an employee engaged in this level of misconduct, you cannot offer resignation. No, you like, have to fire them. Yeah. You have to fire them, and you have to fire them quickly. And I don't care about the level of publicity you're pu- applying to this because he's not living up to your values. You can say that to everybody, okay? But that's the reason why he's gone. So they win the Stanley Cup, and about five days later, he's let go um, and told, go away. Fast forward about 18 months later, or a little maybe two years later, he, Mr. Aldrich, then goes on to sexually assault two people, students, a hockey camp intern and a student at the University of Miami, Ohio. Um, he sexually assaults them there, um, inviting them to sleep on his couch, etc. just gross stuff. A year later, in March of 2013, as a volunteer hockey coach for a high school team in Michigan, he sexually assaults of the teenage player and admits the sexual advances to the teen to the police later guess how many what his prison term looks like uh i'm gonna guess it's tiny if at all nine months yep just nine months he's got five years probation but just nine months for sexually assaulting a teenager like i oh my god he's convicted of fourth degree criminal sexual conduct involving a student That's all he gets, okay? So in the middle here, in September of 2013, um, the police department that is going after his assault of the high schooler gets wind that maybe something is happening at the Blackhawks. So they go and ask about his employment with the Blackhawks, and the HR director gives the police department the finger, says, we're not going to release anything without a subpoena, okay? Okay. And that you know, makes people scratch their heads like, what? Why wouldn't you do that? Or why would you do that? So in May of May 7th of 2021, the player refers to himself as John Doe 1 and files a lawsuit against the Blackhawks for their failure to punish Aldrich. Okay. And then in June, the Blackhawks began their own independent investigation into what had happened in May of 2020 or May of 2010. So this is happening this year now. This is happening this year. Okay. So okay, they've, the investigator finishes and releases its hit, uh, I, their report in late October, this like last week. Okay. Yep. And the, again, it's a 107 page report. The report says the following, okay, that the HR team, that they did nothing between the the assault and his ultimate resignation, and they failed to take prompt and thorough action. The failure to promptly and thorough investigate the matter and the decision to take no action from May 23rd to June 14th had consequences. 
During that period, Aldrich continued to work with and travel with the team. He engaged in unwanted sexual advance on the Blackhawks intern, physically grabbing the intern in a sexual manner. And Aldrich continued to participate in team activities and celebrations, even in the presence of the player. Even after the allegations were finally reported to HR in June, still no investigation occurred and Aldrich was permitted to resign his position and continue participating in Stanley Cup events. Okay? Yes. Now, this report- I mean, not okay, but yeah. Definitely not okay. This report has huge consequences for the current status of the NHL because two of the Blackhawk coaches, Quinneville- and uh, Chevrol Dayoff, I'm going to say Chevrol Dayoff is the current general manager of, in Winnipeg. And Quinneville is in, uh, I want to say, Florida somewhere. Um, he is Florida, Panther, Florida Panthers. Quinneville has resigned after speaking with NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. Now, again, I want to say Gary Bettman is an asshole of like massive proportion. But Quinneville is gone. Mr. Chevrol Dayoff is meeting with Batman tomorrow and is expected to resign tomorrow. The other three coaches who are left have either are no longer with the NHL or they have been terminated as well. Now, what is really important to me as someone who advocates on behalf of HR and wants to hold us accountable, that HR person has got to go too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you can't offer someone resignation for this kind of behavior. Now, the player is no longer playing. His name is Kyle Beach. And he has gone out on social media to talk about the assault. He has met with the commissioners of the NHL. He has met with um, the Players Association in hopes of making sure that this never happens again and that they properly handle these kinds of allegations. He has been incredibly brave because of the sports, um, macho-ness and toxic masculinity runs rampant through hockey, but it is really interesting that he was so upfront. And even if he doesn't win his case, he certainly has brought attention to this for the entire NHL and fans to, to really understand what happened. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Uh, so has he brought an actual lawsuit at this point? or He did. And that's what triggers the NHL to do. An to in- actually finally do something. Okay. Because yeah. I, I guess it's interesting after 11 years that that would still uh, be within a statute of limitations. I don't know uh, what theory right. he's proceeding I, under. And it's not super important for our conversation. Uh, but win or lose, it sounds like uh, his act of doing so and bringing this to the forefront now uh, is causing a uh, reckoning that's long overdue. Yeah. And, and, you know, if it needed to get that level of attention, I'm happy it got that level of attention um, because the folks cannot let this kind of thing happen. I mean, there's a difference between letting a dirty joke slide and letting a sexual assault oh, slide. Oh, Yeah. I mean, I don't want you to let the dirty joke slide either, but there's less of a, an impact 
entirely than a sexual assault. Like in the scale of sexual harassment, the dirty joke falls like in the third to three fifths range. Right. But oh my God. Well, well it's like, it's like, I know, I know you love talking about severe and pervasive uh, as a standard. <laughs> I know it's severe. your, fa- it's your favorite standard <laughs> yeah. out there. Uh, but this, this was that, that we're talking about the difference between a one-time act that's so severe uh, that it goes mm-hmm. off the charts and something that, depending on on what the content is, uh, is not so severe uh, on that sliding scale and, and may need to happen several mm-hmm. times for harassment liability to to um, attach to it, uh, notwithstanding that if you ever hear about that sort of joke one time as mm-hmm. HR, you should put a stop to it right away. Um, right. But right. yeah, there's matters of degree here. Yes. And, and, you know, it may be 11 years later after the assault itself, but there are some severe consequences that need to be meted given the degree of which the conduct was. Um, is Joel, and again, I apologize if I'm not saying his name right, Quinnaville, a great coach? Well, his record shows that he would definitely be a great coach, but you can't be a great coach and let this kind of behavior happen. Um, right, and that right. is true for Shovel Day Off, too. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Wow. Well, that's a that was a good way. Thank you for starting us with a dollar. <laughs> no, well, yeah, no exactly. it has I'm to really be discussed, and, and it's, um, it's, a, it's a huge bummer. Uh, but at least uh, it's coming to light. Yeah. And this is a, the classic case of the quid pro quo, right? The mm-hmm. you'll never play again or yes. you'll never walk again if you don't enjoy this. Like there, right. there isn't a better snippet out there. Right. So. Well, mm-hmm. before you bring us down again. <laughs> yes. I'm going to talk about something that is, it's not, it's not uh, a downer in that way, but it is an interesting legal story. Uh, and I want to talk about Colorado, uh, a state that we don't talk okay. about uh, all that much. And I'm not going to be talking about Colorado in the same way that we talk about, you know, Florida or Ohio as being out there and <laughs> uh, will guys like hello, Florida and Ohio. Uh, but Colorado passed an interesting law earlier this year that's actually having some interesting impacts. And I wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. that. So uh, back January 1st, this went into effect. The Colorado Department of Labor issued final equal pay transparency rules. And I'm going to read you what Mm -hmm. the, the basic outline of those rules are. Effective January 1st, 2021, Colorado employers, and this is important, that's defined as anyone with more than at least one employee in the state of Colorado. So if you have an employer with 100 employees and only one Mm -hmm. of those employees is in Colorado, you will have to comply with this law. What does the law say? You must include the following compensation and benefits information in each posting. First, the hourly rate or salary compensation or a range thereof that the employer in good mm-hmm. faith believes it may pay for the particular job, a general description mm-hmm. of any bonuses, commission, or other forms of comp being offered for the role, and a general description of any other benefits being offered for the role. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. for employers that elect to include a range, and I think that this is super important, uh, the range can extend from the lowest to the highest pay that the employer in good faith believes it might pay for the particular job, depending on the circumstances. That's pretty wishy-washy. Like that's a pretty big um, opening here. Right. And in addition, there's, there's a part of the law that says employers may ultimately pay more or less than the posted range 
if the posted range was uh, uh, the employer's good faith and reasonable estimate of the range of possible compensation at the time of the posting. So if something else changes, mm-hmm. you can you can go lower. Uh, nobody's going to stop yes. you if you go higher. Um, but the the law gives a massive amount of flexibility uh, in how you would how you approach this and. And you know the rule, or the, the 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 aim of this rule, I think, is fairly obvious, which is uh, to try to narrow gender wage gaps and provide better pay dispar- uh, transparency uh, for employees, uh, and giving you mm-hmm. some more information about, you know, <laughs> is it even worth it for me to apply to this job uh, if the range is lower than what I'm willing to take? So, I mean, there's also a time saving, uh, like I don't want to waste my time with this job. Uh, if it pays not enough, as so many jobs don't uh, pay right. enough. So um, what do you think? I'm curious, uh, having heard all about this, mm-hmm. put on your cynical lawyer hat. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, I have opinions of this. Is okay, one of so- the effects. What do you think is one of the effects that's come out of this? Well, I think salary ranges range somewhere between $30,000 and $300,000. I think that is one of the effects of it. Right. Um, so we get absurd salary, ranges. Um, absolutely absurd ranges. Okay. Um, I think another one of the effects is it's deterring employers from looking at Colorado residents as potential employees. Yes. And that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> so some employers seeking remote workers nationwide are saying that those living in Colorado need not apply to their jobs, effectively <laughs> saying we're not going to hire people from Colorado because as soon as we have one of those people, this law applies to we us. You got to do this. So uh-huh. uh, across the internet, and this is, I'm getting this from an article that was actually published way back in June, and I've been seeing more and more about it. And this is from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, across the internet, an array of job listings uh, that uh, state that the work cannot be done in Colorado. Johnson and Johnson uh, roles recently posted for a commercial finance senior manager and senior manager in operations include this caveat. And I quote: "Work location is flexible if approved by the company, except that position may not be performed <laughs> remotely from Colorado." At the commercial real estate giant uh, CBRE Group Inc., an ad for project management directors notes in bold. This position may be performed remotely anywhere within the United States except, except the state of Colorado. So, well, I think okay. So, first of all, Colorado is trying to be California here, yep. and that California often has a rule that then, by virtue of it existing in California, it applies to the rest of the country. Right. So, Colorado is attempting that. And, but one rule. might argue Cal- uh, Colorado doesn't have quite. The, the sway, the sway <laughs> that California does both just, I, I, I mean, just yes. looking at the number of people uh, who live there, right? And yes, and their economic yes. power relative to California, right? True, true. Um, but I don't, this is a trend we have been seeing for some time. And it it is not something that employers should necessarily be opposed to. No. I get that we've historically been saying, oh, salary information is so secret. No one should talk about it. Even though the NLRA says we have to they we have to let them, the plebeians talk about talk it. Talk about right? it amongst them talk amongst yourselves. Right. Right. But 
this is this is definitely forward motion. Like this it is, is a trend that we're moving to posting it. Um, so I think Colorado is ahead of the game, but they're not alone. Right. Well, we'll get there in a second. I have I have more to the story <laughs> here. So why I'm so uh, there's just some interesting reporting from of what Colorado has been saying about this. But first, uh, what are the companies saying? Well, they're coming up with excuses, and they're saying for the most part. The, the main thing they're coming back to, this is burdensome. This is administratively burdensome on them because they don't <laughs> typically do this. They post all over the country, and now they would have to post uh, it effectively everywhere for all of their national postings. Oh, my okay. gosh. This is too much. Okay. So I'm going to call BS because you know how much you're going to pay. I'm shocked. You- <laughs> you're calling BS on this? That is not the yes. way I thought this conversation would go. <laughs> Oh, come on. That was entirely predictable. It, it, I mean, yes, it was. We, you don't post a position unless you've budgeted for it. So you know essentially how much the position is going to cost you. Yes, there's going to be negotiations over that salary. Sure. There's going to be negotiations over the benefits and the PTO, all that kind of stuff. But you have a general sense of where that salary is going to be before you even post the position. Right, but now so I'm going to have to go I, put that in. I'm going to have to pay somebody to take the time, Kate, to go put that in to our, our applicant tracking system and posting system so that it shows up in mm-hmm. all of our postings. That's that's just it too takes hard. all of 30 seconds. No, it's too hard. Now we've got thousands of postings, Kate. Um, in, uh, fact, in fact, employers uh, in Colorado and elsewhere were so miffed uh, by this law that the Rocky Mountain Association of Recruiters uh, sought an injunction against the pay transparency rules earlier this year, uh, but in May, a federal judge denied the request, allowing the rules to stand. And I haven't seen anything further on that. Um, Colorado has told employers that they don't need to do this for roles to be performed entirely outside of the state. So at least right. it carves that out, which is why that, but that's why some employers are feeling emboldened to say, uh, we don't want people in Colorado to apply. So I think that has, like, that's trying to get people to be mm-hmm. okay with it. But then it's also adding to the encouragement, I think, to of employers to say, Colorado residents need not apply. Um, but they are still saying, um, if an employer has a presence in Colorado, it still needs to post the salary information, even for a job that's mm-hmm. being remotely performed in Colorado. So um, many companies are now actually doing this. So to your point, um, for example, a list, a listing for a software development engineer on a work from anywhere team at Amazon uh, preview, Mm -hmm. um, for instance, (laughs) uh, notes that uh, the range for the position in Colorado is between 116 and $160,000 a year, but overall comp could vary. Uh, but the listing specifically cites Colorado's Equal Pay for Equal Work Act as the reason for including the compensation information, which is interesting to me. Like, oh, like we we know we don't normally do this, <laughs> but we feel like we need to explain why we're doing this instead of just doing it. Yeah, I would rather just own it than saying, right. you know, here we're right. doing this good thing of posting this position. Yeah. But, you know, we had to because, you know, over there, <laughs> the square state over there. Mm-hmm. Right. So now there's this push and pull because uh, a lot of employers are saying ignore Colorado. And you could argue that people in Colorado might be pissed at the state for imposing this and actually hurting their job prospects. There's also the reverse point of view, which mm-hmm. is uh, some Colorado uh, remote workers say they're frustrated that employers appear to be excluding them from positions over something so 
innocuous. Stupid. Uh, so uh, I'll wrap it up here. There's a software engineer uh, near Denver who was so irritated about this that he <laughs> decided uh, to take a day off from work and spent 12 hours building a website, coloradoexcluded.com. <laughs> and that website tracks job listings that explicitly note that they are not open to work in Colorado. So he's trying to put out there and shame the companies yeah. that are that are posting this. At the time this article was written back in May or June, I think, um, uh, there were 46 companies on the list. Today, I just checked it this morning, there's 171 companies, some very big companies that oh, are okay. on that list uh, uh, who are actively avoiding hiring in Colorado so they don't have to put uh, the range on here. And, you know, I'll just close by putting my own two cents into it, which are, you know, I don't know, given how much flexibility this law has uh, in terms of how much range you can put in it, that it's actually going to have real teeth towards achieving the goal that it's setting out. Absolutely. Uh, but, and so I, I can be critical about the law on that front, but also it just strikes me as really, um, cutting off your nose to spite your face on these by these companies. Yes. It's not that hard and there's so much flexibility. Mm -hmm. Just put a range down. I mean, have it be meaningful, yeah. but it's not, you're not going to be held to it. So just do it. Right. It, so one, you're not going to be held to it. And two is the department of labor in Colorado or whatever they call themselves going to really enforce this and find every employer who misses this. no, <laughs> they're not because no. the employee unlikely. got a job and they're happy. So right. it's, so it's unlikely. So, so it's really unlikely, but I would look I, toward I, the future here uh, and expect that more States are going to do this. And in fact, we know uh, from our very good friend, Dan Schwartz, that Connecticut just adopted a similar kind of law that went into effect about a month ago. Uh, I believe October, October one. one. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, it would not surprise me to see States like California uh, adopt this as well. Uh, and my own state of Oregon, the West Coast, you know, the, the liberal West mm -hmm. Coast, start seeing uh, <laughs> them lead the way on this issue and and effectively force it to be in effect uh, for the rest of the country. I think that's the direction I, we're I, going. And so why fight so hard yes. against it? Right. And you get to differentiate yourself as an employer who wants to attack things like the gender wage gap right. if you just post it. Um, you're making a statement that your HR practices are ahead of the curve by posting the salary range. So I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't want to do it. So, yeah. I mean, not that everybody I mean, who's applying for a job is really sophisticated in that piece of it. But if you're a recruiter in HR, if you want to be with a company that is progressive in it, how it handles those functions, if you're going to go to work for one that doesn't post jobs, that would certainly be a question you'd ask them in yeah. the interview process is when are you going to start adding salary to your postings? And that could be a, one of the things that you consider. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and to be fair, I do understand for those uh, employers that don't want to have to do this, but also I just say, get over it. Over it. Yeah. <laughs> As someone might say, AKA me, put your big boy panties on and do this. <laughs> but that could be considered inappropriate advice, but that might be what I'm thinking at the it, very least. Yes. Thank you for that glimpse into your mind. Uh, <laughs> we are running really long. So we're 30 minutes yes. in. Uh, so I want to move okay, us I'll along. And we've yes. got, because we've got three more stories to do still. 
We do. We do. So this next one is a pretty big one. And I will admit out of the gate that the first day the closer was available, I washed it that morning. Okay. Um, I have been um, not a diehard Dave Chappelle fan. I am a diehard Neil Brennan fan. Um, but I do appreciate Chappelle comedy historically. I think his SNL appearances have been brilliant in lots of different ways. So I watched The Closer right away. It's a new Netflix special, yes? New Netflix special. His last of the Netflix deals. Okay. So I watched The Closer within, like, I think I watched it like 11 o'clock while I was doing some invoicing or something like that. And so I watched it. And the first, I want to say, 20, 25 minutes of the show, it, it's not what I would consider funny, but he makes some observant, well, I should say cultural ob- observations that are true. That you, like some one of them is that if you are a white gay person, um, you have made huge strides. The LGBTQ plus community has made some really huge strides that some in the black community might be jealous of. But if you're a white gay person, you still get the privilege of being white. So it is different if you are a black person or if you're a black member of the LGBTQ community. Sure. Okay. So these are some astute cultural observations. And then the shit comes off the rails as soon as he says the name J.K. Rowling and gets into some pretty harsh, transphobic, and then a, a diatribe of some length. And I think I turned it off at about 35 minutes in because I was like, oh, he's going to be in a lot of trouble with this. I don't want to know anymore. Um, and so there's there's that part of it, which then sparks this huge kerfuffle and com- and conflict at Netflix itself. Okay? Yes. So, so let's talk about two employees. I'm going to start with Tara Field. Um, Tara Field is suspended from Netflix. Um, there, she's supposedly suspended from Netflix for attending a director level meeting, but she's reinstated after they find out that she attended the meeting with no intent to like infiltrate the meeting. And, and who okay? is she? She is an employee at Netflix. Just, uh, but we don't know her title or. Uh, I don't know her title off the okay. top. Of yeah, my I just, head. I would just be curious okay. to know what she does there. Um, she's one of the employees who helps encourage the walkout at Netflix. Oh, okay, okay. got it. And she, in response to the closer, does an absolutely brilliant Twitter thread about why the trans community isn't a quote unquote offended by Chappelle's comedy, that they actually die because of the implications that trans folks are others and that they are a threat to um, gen- like people of all genders. Sure. And then so she... She says that we're not, quote unquote, offended. And then she lists all of the people, all the trans folks who've been murdered in the like just in the last year. Like and it's a it's a really, unfortunately, heartbreakingly long thread. She's then suspended shortly after. And another employee, uh, B. Pagelsmeyer, who happens to be 35 weeks pregnant. Okay. 
They are terminated for quote unquote leaking confidential information because it's hinted that they were the source of the information in a Bloomberg article about how much Chappelle earned for the closer. Because once the closer came out as controversial, there was a whole big question about how much money did Chappelle get for this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so if Pagel's minor is the person who leaked that confidential information, they're terminated for that. However, they are also the person that helped organize the walkout at Netflix. They are losing their health insurance at 35 weeks pregnant. And Tara Field, with a long Twitter thread, needs to take a medical leave now because they received more than one death threat and have been doxxed since the Twitter thread itself. And so both of these employees are in horrible medical situations with health insurance, et cetera, and they're both not there. There is a ULP charge, an unfair labor practice charge for the NLRA, for the actions related to these two, which is bigger than just these two, according to the folks involved in the charge, that it is whether or not trans folks at Netflix have the, the community and the support that they should have as employees. Now, the co CEO of Netflix has really kind of stepped in it in multiple different ways <laughs> here. Uh, Ted Sarandos, Sarandos, um, he has stood by the closer. Um, he has, has said that the content on screen doesn't directly translate to real world harm. He's tried to walk those comments back. Uh, um, but, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but he, there's still a list of demands from employees uh, th- th- after their walkout on October 20th of what they want Netflix to invest in trans creators and create some internal processes before commissioning potentially harmful con- content. So Netflix is having some time here and their employees are as well. So I try to do that as quickly as I possibly could. Yeah, you did. That was great. Um, I, yeah, another downer. Kate, you have to get some. You have to find some <laughs> yes. upper employment law stories. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think those <laughs> things exist. That's not what our podcast <laughs> is about. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, it'll be interesting to see what else happens with that story over time. We'll update it if anything else occurs. But wow, um, yeah, it's rough. While I was in Amsterdam, I. I met with a couple of my friends that I had made over LinkedIn and social media who are diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging specialists. Like that one Mm -hmm. is a coach, another just focuses on DEI work. And one, Vivian, was telling me about how her friends had told her to go watch the Chappelle special because she wanted to see the difference between the cultural observations that I mentioned earlier, and then the trans stuff. And luckily she agreed with me that those were interesting cultural observations, but it doesn't get him off the hook. And Chappelle has said, if this is what being canceled feels like, I like it. Uh, So we'll see how and if he's able to recover from these things. Um, It's certainly, again, it's horrible comments. I don't want to be, I don't want to disregard or say that they're not that important. It's also not graphic sexual assault like Louis C.K. Sure, and others sure. um, that 
deserve differences. And, you know, Chappelle then goes on to attack Hannah Gadsby and a bunch of other people. And it, it just doesn't play well. And it what his future looks like will be intriguing to me. Um, but I hope that we see things get fixed at Netflix because I need Bridgerton 2 here pretty quick. <laughs> so on that note <laughs> I've got two stories I'm going to read them through re- relatively quickly um, uh, first I'm going to start with a listener story uh, we've gotten a couple Yay. I want more hwepodcast at gmail.com <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm editing some of this down a little bit uh, but uh, one of our listeners who shall remain anonymous uh, sent in two stories here that I'm going to read. Uh, story number one, picture it, the world of government <laughs> contracting big businesses yes! and a lot yes! of, a lot, Kate, of old white owners. Oh, duh. It could be the NFL. Anyway. <laughs> Patricia was the only black mm-hmm. employee in, the, in an entire organization. It's a large organization, and we're only speaking about one local office. Uh, every okay. Monday, the organization as a whole would have a meeting, because why not? The owner of the company, uh, managers, leaders, accounting, HR, everyone would attend this virtual meeting. So it was early. early sounds awesome. It sounds great. Um, we'll have a meeting to talk about everything. I actually have a slide in my respectful workplace training that's like, want to discuss anything? Have a meeting. We'll do a meeting about the meeting, about the meeting. (laughs) Meetings for everyone. Uh, Uh More, please. More, please. Uh, So uh, it was early November 2020. Do you remember what was happening in November 2020? I think there was still a pandemic. Well, yes, but it was also (laughs) an election. Oh, yes. yeah. See, I, see, I have an election so on Tuesday, I and so... I didn't get the HR thing before, which made me... But you didn't get the election, which is, you know, early okay. 2020. Yes. Right? So we're both... We're both we're, we both have one uh, here that was like a setup <laughs> that we did not knock down. Um, yes. To show uh, the company's uh, support, the owner of this company closed out the virtual meeting, which, again, had only one black employee. Uh, and the remaining were white by saying one last thing, hold on for a sec. And then proceeded to put on a Trump wig and a make a make America great hat, make America great again, hat. Uh, and a majority of the other employees started clapping and laughing and cheering oh. him along. The one black em- employee quit. The one black employee and another employee who has mixed children did not think it was funny. And nothing ever came of the event uh, besides knowing exactly what type of company uh, it was and what kinds of coworkers she had. But Patricia made the decision to leave a few months later. Um, Good. Again, there's, there's a, a piece uh, about this that is um, insensitive and you want to be thoughtful. It's also not illegal. I just want to put that out there uh, to have a political point of view and express it, but you need to be thinking about uh, how that may impact your employees uh, who receive yeah. that. Right. And this is often something that comes up when I do trainings is, you know, well, can I, can't I have a political opinion? And I'm like, of course you can have a political opinion. In fact, I want you to have a political opinion because I want you to be voting. However, you have to understand the implications of some of your political opinions on 
the various protected classes. Like if you talk about how great the wall is, that is very disrespectful to any Latina, Latinx folks that are working for you. Um, or So you have to be cognizant of the impact of those political opinions on the yep. people around you. And the workplace may not always be the place to express those views. I'm not saying you can't or shouldn't, but I'm saying you have to understand the implication of doing that. Uh, agreed. So. Uh, story two. I joined an organization at the beginning of the year. There were over 400 employees creeping up to 500 fast. There was Ooh, an HR manager, okay. HR business partner, and myself as the HR generalist. The HRBP had been there the longest and was responsible for my role before I joined the team. I could tell employees were a little hesitant to talk with me about their situations, and they often made the comment that HR doesn't care. Uh, they were never coming oh. out to speak with them or taking their issues seriously. Thankfully, after handling a few smaller issues, the employees started being more open with me about things that were going on in the organization. Our late shift manager was hearing a few different conversations between employees, uh, and the information was very alarming. So he took a few statements uh, and brought the information to me. When reviewing uh, the employee who was in this serious situation, the aggressor, uh, I was reviewing mm -hmm. this employee's file, I stumbled upon a huge issue. This employee oh. had been put on a final written warning about two months before I started. He was accused and found to be stalking a female employee. <gasps> You're kidding. To the point. Okay. To the point in which he knew her kids' birthdays and was telling oh, her no. telling her about a few different posts that she'd made on Facebook, even though she had blocked him. He was threatening oh. her fiancé and more. Uh, it was a lot more than that. Yes. Time out. Why a final written warning for this guy? Well, I mean, let's let's keep reading. Okay. Let's keep reading. Okay. I, I mean, we're all on the same page that, that that's not a final <laughs> written warning. Uh, nope. It should should not be a final written warning. It was a lot more than that, though, with witness statements and all. And all the HRBP did was put them on a final written warning. It was, uh, sorry. Uh, well, so now this was my problem. Uh, he had moved on from the other employee who he'd been stalking, but then started stalking another employee. At the end of her shift one morning, they got off around 2 a.m., he followed her to the gas station and demanded that he buy her gas because she, quote, <gasps> needs someone to take care of her, and then asked oh. her out for breakfast. She declined. Okay. I, I, I don't know why she would turn down such a wonderful offer. Uh, <laughs> she declined and hightailed it home quickly. He would then ha uh, find her on social media and start sending her messages. He would tell other employees about how he couldn't wait to have her. And how she would be his <gasps> wife one day. Okay, so remember when you went and you spoke live with Dennis and I gave you a case for that? Mm, vaguely, yes. Honeywell versus Yunker? Yeah. Where the the employee had stalked and murdered an employee, went to jail, came out of jail, and was hired again by the same company, <laughs> right. stalked and murdered right. another employee? Right. Oh, yeah. it sounds eerily familiar. It sounds, sounds familiar, right? Uh, mm -hmm. but it, it, luckily it, nobody dies, well, but still, but I mean, but so far he seems pretty okay to me, but there's, it gets worse. <laughs> he seems pretty okay. Okay. I mean, it's all relative. 
No, he does not sound okay. As opposed to murder. Uh, uh, well, right, as opposed to murder, sure. Uh, he even uh, sent her a message. No, wait, wait I, I can't, I, like, I'm, I've got to sit here and watch the camera as I read this because I need to see your face as I say it. Okay. He even sent her a message about how if she wasn't enough, he thought her sister was cute too. His, <laughs> his underage sister. Oh, no, I totally hope there's a term. And maybe even a report to police here. After finding all of this out and getting statements and documentation of things he'd send to her, I bumped up security on site, fired him. Good. Good. And informed her that she should take the information to the police for extra protection. I don't know if she ever did, but I do know that before I left, she was still receiving messages on social media from him. (gasps) Well, I place the blame on him needing help. I also blame, uh, which is excessively kind, exceedingly kind. Yes. Uh, I also yes. blame blame the HRBP for not handling the previous situation with termination because they were quote unquote busy and the company quote unquote <laughs> needed people. I oh guess I gosh. could ask, and we already know the answer to this, but it ties it back to some of our other segments. Does all of this make me the asshole? No, no, it does you're not. definitely not the asshole. You are a good HR person who wants to do right by your employees. And holy crap balls there. Holy I crap would balls. Defi- <laughs> I would really hope that they take some serious action because that's awful. Yeah, Thank I hope you, they learn from this situation. Listener for that listener. story. Uh, if you have other stories like that, please send them to us. Uh, you being any of you listening, not just that listener. Uh, <laughs> HWEpodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to wrap it up today. Wow, we're, we're running a little long. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up today, Kate, with the story of what may be the shittiest boss ever. Bring it on. I have heard so many. I can't wait to think what you think is the shittiest ever. I don't think you've heard one like this before. (laughs) Okay. On September 28th, so last month, a family member of Brent Mack, 50 years old, reported him missing and that nobody had seen or heard from, from him since September 20, about eight days later. This is in Oklahoma, by the way. Mack... Mac worked for a septic tank installation business. Okay. Run run by Dan Triplett, 66 years old. Police interviewed as part of their investigation looking for Mr. Mac. Uh, Police interviewed Mr. Triplett, uh, who who did tell them that he had wanted to cut ties with Mac because of Mac's uh, quote unquote violent demeanor. He gave okay. police an address where he be- had been working <gasps> on that day, September 20th, north of Crescent, Oklahoma. But when they interviewed the property owner, the property owner said that their tank had been installed nearly two weeks earlier. Triplett had also told police that after completing that job on September 20th, he dropped off Mac at a laundromat in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Is Mac in the septic tank? But when authorities looked at the video... <laughs> Outside the laundromat from that day, Mac's truck is seen driving by, but not stopping. Based on this information, they received a search warrant and found a logbook of job locations showing that Triplett actually had installed a septic system in Mulhall, Oklahoma that day. It just so happened that the homeowners in Mulhall had security footage. 
Mac <gasps> and Triplet were working on the job site together. Mac descended into the hole being dug for the septic tank and never came back up again. He's in the shitter? Oh my God. Footage showed Triplet leaving by himself. On October 21st, authorities dug up the septic tank. They found Mac's body with a projectile in it that had entered from his upper left back. So he was literally shot in the back in the shitter. And left in the shit. Triplet was arrested on October 21st and charged with murder and desecration of a human corpse. (laughs) Shittiest. He didn't poop on it. (laughs) Shittiest boss ever. Oh, man. Well, so the desecration is really vicarious, right? It's It's vicarious, but but with knowledge of what would be happening to it. Yes, I mean, I think that I think that that was pre- I think it was predictable. It was foreseeable. I don't know if desecration <laughs> of a corpse is a foreseeability standard, <laughs> but I'll, I'm going to give them that one. I'm going to give them that one. Oh man! Okay, so shittiest, not meaning just crappy. Well, let's <laughs> <laughs> don't mean crappy. <laughs> Oh, you walked right into that one. You walked right into that one. (laughs) I know. I know. I understand. So thank you uh, to Jennifer Mills for sending us many articles, including that one. Uh, (laughs) I have a whole backlog of articles that Jennifer has sent us uh, that I haven't even gotten to yet, but this one was too good to pass up. Um, So thank you, Jennifer, for sending that to us. And uh, if you see articles or things that you think would be helpful, again, hwepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love, I mean, again, it's a horrific story. Don't get us wrong. Uh, but uh, you know the kind of podcast we have here. So, uh, and, and and obviously I want to be respectful to, to Mr. Mack, who, who ended up right. in, in, in the septic tank. But that is, uh, it's a terrible story. Uh, but if you yes, have other and, stories and- like that, please send them and we can talk about it. And for the record, you brought the poop joke to this podcast. It wasn't. I did. Me I'm this not. Time. I, you know, I'm not quite as um, <laughs> as good at shoes as you make me out to be. I love a good poop joke, man. Can't yeah, you lie. do. You do. So okay. Well, where can they find you, Mark? Um, Look at me getting ahead of the game. Find me on Twitter at Salad Pants. That's where I spend most of my time. <laughs> LinkedIn, too. Uh, you can find me there, Mark Alifans, or on the Bullard Law website. Uh, if you actually want to hire me for something, uh, go there. <laughs> uh, Kate, what about you? K-A-B-I-S-E-H dot com or K-A-B-I-S-E-H on Twitter. And the LinkedIn, I like the LinkedIn a lot, too. So you can find me just about anywhere. But... Because we're running so long, we should just kind of let these folks go, right? Go. Bye. (laughs) 